Oh, just Edward and Christine love them so much. Lord, I just pray that you give people in here, parents in law, that you've given me. Because what a treat it is to just be able to uh, learn from those who've gone before me and to be loved and loved love you, Jesus. Yes, God. Um, for tonight, the Lord put it on our hearts as leaders here at Communitas to really, really uh, go after um, the power of the Holy Spirit in a, in a deeper way than what we've already experienced. Um, I know that may seem strange to some of you who are unfamiliar with the Holy Spirit. He's a good guy. Yeah, he, the Lord. John the Baptist says the Spirit is given without measure. So we really wanted to experience that. So what we felt called to do was fast and pray for the last ten days over Holy Week. For this very night. So we really are depending on the Lord tonight. Because um, this is what it's all about. I have uh, two really strong desires to when I come here at Communitas. One, to give Jesus the glory and honor that He is, deserves. Yes. And to let this be a picture of the wedding feast of the Lamb mm-hmm. on that day. And two, to see you guys leave new creations different than you are when you came in here. Amen. I can give a short testimony to that. Um, what you see here today is a far cry from what I was five years ago. I was a drunken sailor who cussed like a sailor. Um, just bitterness and unfortunate. But now I'm nothing like that, and I really can testify Amen. that Second Corinthians 5.17 is real. That in Christ Jesus we're a new creation. So my desire is to see that happen tonight. So I've just had it on my heart to start out tonight. We just want to just encounter and bring the Holy Spirit through praying in the Holy Spirit. So for just a few minutes, uh, five minutes at the most, we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit. We're just going to pray in our prayer languages. If... Uh, you know, the Lord, if you're still waiting for your prayer language, we want to just have you pray in your understanding. That's right. We're just going to uh, invite the Holy Spirit right now in just a sovereign way that He would just come and just, you know, give us His presence. In yeah, Jesus the name. book of Jude says to conter- contend earnestly for the faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the ways we do that, he says in, in the end of Jude, is to pray. Build yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. He says, keeping yourselves in the love of God. So the one way we keep ourselves in the love of God is praying in the Holy Spirit. And so if that's new to you and you're like, is that biblical? Do we need an interpretation? I'm just going to read a couple verses out of 1 Corinthians 14, just so you know that this is all good. This is okay if we all pray in tongues and there's no interpreter. Uh, Verse 39 says, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy... Do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. And so in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul at some points talks about someone standing up and giving a tongue and there being an interpretation. And that's for the order of the service. So we're just going to move this entire order of the service into a time of praying in the Spirit. And so if that's uncomfortable for you, that's okay. If you have questions afterwards and you want to talk and maybe you've never prayed in tongues, that's one of our passions too, is to see uh, the saints equipped with the gifts of the Spirit as well as the fruit of the Spirit to go and glorify Jesus. Come, to set the captives free. So we're just going to spend some time praying in the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Stir it up in our hearts, God. Passion for Jesus. <laughs> 
Let's go. We shake off complacency tonight. We shake off passivity tonight, God. We're hungry for you. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We fix our eyes on the throne right now, God. We come boldly before the throne. Bless you, Jesus. You are worthy, Jesus. The Bible says, He who prays in the tongue gives praise well. He gives thanks well. We have a couple more minutes to press in you, God. We press in everything you have for us tonight, God. Rend the heavens over this room, Father. Come. We ask you to come. We can do nothing apart from you. That's right. Absolutely nothing. 
You are the great reason we are here, Jesus. You are the reason, the only reason, God. You're the only good thing about Christianity. You, Jesus. You, Jesus, are the only good thing about Christianity. So we ask You, Jesus, to walk into the room. Walk into the room, Jesus. It changes everything. Your presence changes everything. So come, Jesus. We Let's love just you. open up our hands right now like we're going to receive a gift in that yeah. posture of receiving. Yes, Jesus. Father, we just say yes. We, we say, say yes, yes to your plans tonight. We say yes. Whatever it looks like, Jesus, Yeah. you say that we can come to you as we are. So we ask you, Jesus, to give us the grace to invite you as you yes. are, God. Yes, God. Whatever you look like, we we just you know leave our arguments at the door, God. That's right. We leave our... You know, argumentations, Jesus. We leave our offenses. That's right. And God, we ask you just to come and transcend in your great beauty. Yes, God. Transcend in your great beauty. Thank you for your truth, God. As the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus, we want to look for another city. We're looking for another city. We have our eyes on a city that you built, that you architect, that you designed, Jesus. So come and plant us in your holy mountain as springs and cedars forever. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, um, yeah, if we don't want to open our Bibles, we're going to start at John 15, 9. Bible study time, beloved. Let's have a Bible study, huh? My desire is to unpack the love of God, you know, in a way that is tangible and understandable, that makes sense. Yeah. And let it let the Holy Spirit come and let the love of God transcend all of our all of our struggles today. Um, the ministry time is really the focus tonight. We really want to see the spirit of self hatred and self rejection broken off in Jesus' name. Uh, we'll we'll explain kind of how that. A brief announcement: If you have a Lexus uh, license plate zero three two, your lights are on. Is that mom? You got your the interior light. You got keys. We can have somebody else turn it off. Is that us? Is that the SUV? Lexus SUV. SUV. Whoever else. Anyway. Where's my keys? Throw us the keys. We'll get somebody out there. All right. I'm trying to find them. So um, so yeah, we're gonna start at John 15:9. Yeah. And um. In John 59, Jesus says the word remain 11 times. So it's obviously something that he's passionate about. In one chapter alone, Jesus says it comes from the Greek word meno. It means to continue to be present, to remain, to dwell, not to depart, not to leave, to be rooted it, to be rooted as it were in him, knit to him by the spirit they have received from him. So that's what Jesus is saying in these words. Every time you read the remain in John 15, 9, that's what Jesus is inclining, and that's what John, as the writer of this gospel, is trying to get across to the readers. So Jesus here says, John 15, 9, Just as the Father loved me, I myself also loved you. And that word you is a plural you. So he's not just talking to the disciples. He's talking to you know everyone who's reading these words even now. And then Jesus goes on and says, Remain in my love. Dwell in my love. Abide in my love. Remain present. Do not depart. Do not leave from my love. My love is perfect. That word also means dwell at His own house. 
Jesus has prepared for you a house. John says that in his Gospel. I go to my Father and I prepare for you a house. He, we are to dwell in the love of God as it is our very house, and as it is our inheritance. So that's what Jesus wants to get across to us tonight. And He says, just as the Father has loved me. That word love too, agape, in the grammar there that John speaks of it, it's in, it's in the, um, the tense, of, it's called aorist active. What aorist active is, is it's an undefined action that passed. It's something that's happened in an undefined timeline, but it has continuous ongoing effect. So it, when you read Romans 5.8, but God shows His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Jesus is declaring that truth right here. He says, God loved you just as I also loved you. Mm. Jesus loved the Father loved me as I myself loved you. So there's nothing you can do in this room ever in your life to change that reality. Oh, come on. Preach to me. There are ways that you can dwell outside of that love, but the fact that God loves you is never changed. That's right. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're struggling with tonight, whatever lies the enemy is feeding you, God loved you way before we could ever imagine it yeah. in an undefined way. It has an ongoing effect. And one of the important points about this love is this love is unconditional. It's not based upon the one receiving the love. It's based on the one giving it. The love God has for us is not because we've done anything to deserve it or earn it. It's a testimony to who He is. He says, I demonstrated my love to you while you were still sinning, while you had no intention of coming after me and pursuing me. It's in that place that I loved you. And when you receive that love, that transforms us. That's what transforms us. And really, that's, that's our, our heart tonight is to go, this is our house. This is where we abide. This is where we live is in the, the continual revelation, more than just intellectual understanding, in, a, in an experiential realm of His love. That's where He wants us to live. That's what Paul prays in Ephesians 3, that we would know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Amen. That we'd be rooted and grounded in it. He says that you'd know the width, the length, the depth, and the height. You know, usually we only have three dimensions, right? Three-dimensional? He's, his love is four-dimensional. It's otherworldly. It's, it, it's a spiritual reality that transforms us. That's what Paul's praying there. So yeah, and um, as Clint was saying, we love because Jesus loved us. The right. only reason that we are here tonight is because Jesus loved us and that's really the, the that's really the story that we have here today. That in the heaven, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's right. the, and I won't go too much into this revelation, but it's important because it gives us a a picture of what God had in mind when He created the heavens. When you read the Revelation four picture of the throne room, the New Jerusalem throne room, that's what God created in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens. All of a sudden, Revelation comes and we get a picture of what New Jerusalem looks like. And God is bringing New Jerusalem to this earth so Jesus' precious feet can dwell on this earth forever and remain. So that's what Jesus said. He said, I want to dwell on this earth with you. That's right. And Adam got a picture of that. So how far have we fallen to go from that to where we are now, where we are looking for that city, as it speaks in Hebrews 11. So here we see Jesus saying, Dwell, remain in my love. Jesus is so passionate about a family. Amen. He is so passionate about having His bride. And Father is so passionate about giving Jesus His bridegroom. Amen. And um, we go on and, uh, you know, with, with the love of God just comes this longing to be with Him. 
in, in, in the Song of Songs it says, For your love is better than wine. Wine doesn't not only speaks of, you know, like the wine that makes you drunk, but it also speaks of the wines, the pleasures of this world. Right. Jesus' love is better than the ministry of raising the dead. That's right. Come on. Jesus' love is better than the ministry of preaching the gospel. It's better than all of that. It's better than all of that. That is the very fuel that we have to raise the dead. I, if I never raise the dead, I'm okay with that because I'm going to be sitting at Jesus' feet where the good thing is, that which cannot be taken away from me. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. So Jesus' love is not only better than the wine that makes the heart happy, it's better than the ministry that makes you know, the power of the Holy Spirit tangible. So um, with that element of love, let's now turn to John 17, 23, where Jesus, in the, you know, before He you know, goes to the night of, of His death, He's praying the prayer of Jesus. You know, John just calls it the prayer of Jesus. The entire whole chapter is just Jesus interceding before the Father. You know, it's some, one of His final intercessory prayers for the saints before He meets His death. So I encourage you to read this prayer. It's, um, you know, it will change your life. It really will. For now, we're just going to skip to the bottom of it. And Jesus says, I in them, in you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. Mm. So here in, in John 15, Jesus is declaring His love for you, that I myself loved you the same way the Father loved me. Now God, now Jesus is saying, God, the very Father of glory, the Father of spirits, the Father of lights, loved you with the same passion and beauty that He loved me. When, Jesus, when the Father goes to Jesus in two occasions at the baptism and the transfiguration, He says, listen, this is my beloved Son whom I am well pleased in. I tell you, Jesus and the Father are saying that right over you tonight. He is ripping through the heavens and saying, This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter whom I'm well pleased in. And, and this is the primary truth that the enemy is accusing and uh, bringing against the charge against the people of God is that this isn't true. This is the most important truth you will ever believe. Mm-hmm. And it can't stop at just God loving us that way. It has to take the next step, and we're going to talk about this more in relation to what our heart has been tonight, is that God would bring deliverance from the lies that, okay, God might love me, but can I really accept me and love me too? And actually getting free from becoming and being our own worst enemy at times and accusing ourselves. Because the way the accuser works, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, is the enemy's role in Revelation 12.10 is he accuses us night and day before the throne. Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, sees the same thing in the third chapter. He sees this picture. Man. We might need to just go there in a minute. Yeah, we might. But he sees, he sees the people of God standing there and Satan standing at his right hand accusing him. And then he hears the Father speak his affirmation over the Son. He says, no, remove those filthy garments and put clean ones on him. And those clean garments are the righteous acts of the saints, it says in Revelation 19. And so God wants to release a revelation of his love for us that, guess what? I love me too now. I accept me the way He made me. That I'm no longer wishing I was someone else. I'm no longer looking to someone else and, and being jealous or feeling unworthy or, or comparing myself where we actually become who we were meant to be in Christ. Amen. Practically too, um, 
I wrestled with the Lord for a long time. I, 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 I don't have time to go into a lot of my testimony, but right now I'm just coming out of about a three-and-a-half-year wilderness season where the Lord was just speaking these things into my life. And um, for a while I was like, Lord, what does it look like to feel your love? How do I respond once those revelations come? And Jesus goes on to say back in John 15, If you keep my, my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as, I, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide, in, and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Mm -hmm. I, I, anybody else want full joy? Yeah. 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 I tell you... That sounds like the good woo, news right there. There is so much joy in the love of Jesus. <laughs> the love of Jesus, I tell you, has your ability to make you grow in the seasons of mistreatment. Mm -hmm. The love of Jesus not only gives you a survival ability that I can survive mistreatment, but I can be as the apostles were in Acts 5.41. Thank you, Jesus, that you found me worthy to suffer for the sake of the Gospel. That you, in your great mercy and pleasure and joy for me, found me worthy to suffer for your name. I tell you, there is joy in the love of Jesus. There is so much joy. You can walk into the darkest places, into the valleys of the shadow of death. That's right. But the Spirit of God with you and the love of Jesus in your saddle, Come on. ushering your ways, I tell you, you will do anything for the name of love once you taste of the greater pleasure. Well, Jesus, when He says this in context to John 15, you remember back in verse 2, He says, he says a little something about pruning. <laughs> he says, those who bear fruit, He prunes that they may bear more fruit. And so he goes, guys, I'm actually, when you walk through a pruning of God or a discipline of God, he's actually saying the reason that God is disciplining you is so that your joy may be more full. Mm -hmm. And so it's in context that we read this entire passage, we go, okay, Jesus, you've spoken these words. What words? The past discourse that actually goes all the way back to John 13, when he washes the disciples' feet. He says, I've spoken these words to you so that you might... My joy might remain in you and your joy might be complete. And so that gives us the perspective, like Paul's saying, where we're able to walk through mistreatment, we're able to walk through a discipline of God or, or accusations of the enemy and go, if I receive your love in this moment, my joy is going to be full. And, and, when, and when your external circumstances no longer affect what you believe, because what you believe is not what you see, but what the truth says, right? Yeah. I don't walk by sight, I walk by faith. Wow. And what I believe doesn't change with the circumstance of life. Oh, That's the good news, beloved. That is the good news where nothing... Paul says this in Acts 20. Paul says this. He, he's getting ready to go on to Come Jerusalem. On. <laughs> <laughs> and he says this. I mean, it's, let's just turn there really quick. Acts chapter 20. We're just gonna we're gonna have a little we're gonna come back to that, Paul. Sounds good. All right, Acts 20. We're looking at verse 22. What's going on here is Paul's leaving Ephesus, and his heart is just with these people. He just loves these people, and he uh, he's getting ready to say goodbye. Okay, verse 22. He says, "And now see, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there." He goes, I don't even know what's ahead of me. He goes, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulation await me. So the news the Holy Spirit's giving them is trouble's ahead. And then this is the verse, guys. I pray this prayer for every one of you your entire life. Verse 24. But none of these things move me. He goes, there's a lot of things coming. And I, I tell you, there's a lot of things coming in our lives because God's called us to great things. 
And with great things, godly living, that's a great thing, right? All who desire to live godly will what? Suffer persecution. He says this, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. Why? (coughs) I love you more than I love my life. That's what he's saying in Revelation 12. They didn't love their lives unto death. They loved Jesus more than they loved their own life. And that's what empowers Paul here. And he says, Nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with what? Joy. With joy. joy. Why is he ex- is finishing it with joy? Because he's heeded the words that Jesus has commanded him. And he says this, And the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And then he says in verse 26, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not avoided to declare to you the, the whole counsel of God. Paul had a vision. He goes, guys, none of these things move me. Why? Because I've experienced the love of God. Because I'm abiding in His love for me. It's not even about Paul's work for God. That's not his greatest joy. His greatest joy is to sit at the feet of Jesus, to hear the voice of the bridegroom, and know that our eternal destiny is not winning the lost. You won't win the lost many years from now. I hope we win a lot of them before that. But, but that's a temporary, that's a temporary uh, identity for the believer. The eternal identity is being a beloved son or daughter of the Most High. So God, I just pray right now, God, that nothing that we see would move us from what we know to be true, God. As Paul declared, none of these things, none of these things that await me as I move on in life, the circumstances, the trials, the suffering, God, let none of it move us. But that we may finish our our race with joy, God. That's right. That our joy may be full in Your love. Teach us, Holy Spirit, to abide in Your love. That's right. So, um, just finishing off the joy issue, I just want to declare to you: there is coming a time of so much joy. The harvest of the saints is going to be so full of joy. When you read Acts two. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit started with wine. So I tell you, when this harvest comes, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it began with wine. Jesus' first miracle was turning the water into the wine. They accused Him of having too much fun. They called Him a wine bibber. <laughs> the wine bi- Jesus has so much joy. Jesus has so much fun. So much joy. Oh, the oil man. of gladness was upon Him more than all of His commandments. All of his companions. So I tell you, in Psalm 16, you make known the paths of your of life. To your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand is pleasures evermore. I tell you, when this harvest begins to move in such a miraculous way, where cities are changed as they were in the in the book of Acts, where entire regions in this world turn their turn from their wicked ways and go to the Lord, it's going to be in so much joy. That's right. That people are going to think we're drunk like we, they were in Acts 2. <laughs> I tell you, it is coming. That day is coming. So with that said, um, we want to just impart our our passions for you tonight. Um, really, what and, and this is kind of again was the the backdrop of this entire entire evening was was this that um, there's two main. Not not the only two, but two critical components that the enemy has sown into the lives of this nation, and I, I say it's it's more so in the western part of this world, this this uh, globe, than the eastern part, just due to the 
pervasiveness of the media, um, just you know the public you know expectations that um, you know the Western world puts on its people. Um, one, self hatred and self rejection are these two issues. But what I've noticed and what I've really been convicted on is the primary um, stronghold that these issues and these lies are rooted in is body image issues. And we have in so many ways gone before the mirrors of our bedrooms and the mirrors of our bathrooms. And um, really, you know, our heart is to do this in such gentle compassion tonight. We're not out to shame anyone, but really we want to see, like I said, this reality of the fullness of joy come into your lives and manifest it. But the Lord needs to deal with these issues that we're wanting to deal with right now. And so we go before our mirrors, men and women alike. Men, we're not excused from this. It tends to be more apparent in the lives of women just because of you know the lifestyles that we surround us. But we go before our bedrooms, we go before our bathrooms, and we just naturally curse our bodies without even thinking about it. We say, I wish my legs were bigger. I wish my legs were smaller. I wish I didn't have you know flesh in this area. I wish I had flesh in this area. And we, without knowing it, we give avenues for the enemy to come in and inflict us with pain, inflict us with sickness, inflict us with lies from devils. And so tonight we want the Lord to really show up in a way where His love says, I love your body. I love your body. I'm not a parent, but I know parents who would attest to this, that when they see their children going before the mirrors of their bedrooms in trying to perfect themselves in a way, it breaks their hearts. Because they created you. Your parents were influential in your making. You're birthed out of their you know, communion and unity. And so they can't go inside your heads and say, I love your body. But Jesus can and He wants to do that tonight. And I tell you, this is the result of when we break down these lies and we accept the love of Jesus to transcend our to transcend our brokenness mm-hmm. that we get the fullness of joy. Amen. Jesus comes and says, I am yours and you are mine. How he has made you fit for a king. Mm-hmm. Isaiah sixty two, the Lord wants to fill us mm-hmm. with the Hephzibah and Beulah revelation tonight. Mm-hmm. That my delight is in you. Mm-hmm. You are beautiful and you are to be married to me. You are fit for a king. There is nothing you can do to change that. No matter what you believe, what you speak into your life, there is nothing any of us can do to change the fact that Jesus wants to marry us and He wants to be equally yoked to us. Equally yoked. And He wants a bride that's ready. It says in Revelation, the bride has made herself ready. And all of heaven stops what they're doing, turns their heads, and ushers into an enormous exhorting like choir. Whatever that's going to sound like. All of heaven is going to praise God forevermore when we down here make ourselves ready. Mm-hmm. Now with this, what, what comes to my mind is what really breaks God's heart when we believe those accusations is um, the accusation is really against our Creator. Because how much influence did you have in your birth? <coughs> How much influence did you have in what eye color you'd be, or how tall you'd be, or how short you'd be, or to reflecting on the one who made you? And the enemy thinks that if he can somehow get us to, to buy his lies, 
and think that we're just not good enough, that that's his way of getting back as a father. But the truth is, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God sanctified you. He called you for a purpose. He set you apart. He formed you in His image, according to His likeness, to reveal His glory in a way that no one else does. And um, we really want to get free, too, from comparison, because with comparison, there's only two possibilities. Superiority, pride, I feel better than someone else because I compare and I feel, my, I feel I'm superior. Or inferiority, I'm depressed, I don't feel good enough. Neither is humility. Humility is agreeing with the truth. God, you made me the way you wanted to make me. You did a great job, Father. Thank you. I accept who you've made me. And, and you know, the only thing that we ever want to look at someone else and wish we were is in character. Never in personality, never in gifting, never in body type, never in those things. I mean, it, you know, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It, it's okay to see someone that's walking in humility and say, God, I desire to serve like that person does. But we don't ever want to be in that place where we're like, man, I wish I did this like them. Mm-hmm. It's like, Father, I want to do it like you made me to do it. Mm-hmm. I accept mm-hmm. how you've made me uniquely to reflect you and to reflect yourself <coughs> the way no one else does. You individually have the ability to reveal and bring glory and to manifest the Trinity like no one else on earth. None of us are alike. None of us are alike. And it's it's beautiful when we come together in the truth of who we are. We're, we get free from the games of comparison and, and jealousy and insecurity and fear. And we're free in His love. We're free in His truth to be loved by Him and to love others and to love ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, with room this big, you know, this is, you know, inevitable to avoid. And there, there are also avenues that, you know, the enemy can reach us in to let these thoughts and these um, unhealthy desires root up. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, maybe a, a sexual abuse issue mm. or um, just a immoral relationship before you were a Christian or even maybe when you were a Christian. These things get into our lives and they just invite lying devils. And so that's, this, this probably isn't going to, I'll be one and done tonight. We know that as leaders, that this isn't gonna. You're gonna walk out of here completely, like never have to deal with this ever again. It doesn't always work like that. Usually doesn't work like that. I've seen it happen a few times, but more times than not, it's the Lord plants a seed and it bursts and it grows. And you know, as we were praying in the prayer time, He waters and you know cultivates that cultivates that reality. So. Um, this, this is an ongoing issue, but I tell you, this is where it has to go if we're going to say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Because mm-hmm. Jesus isn't coming back to a bride that hates herself. He's not going to do that. But He is coming back to a bride who is fully in unity with who He created her to be, or Him to be, and who loves themselves as Jesus loves them. So... Um, we just want to, uh, we'll pray Zechariah 3, because this is a lot of what the enemy does. And this is, you know, very much about, the, you know, like, like, like Clint said, the operation of the enemy. Zechariah, one of the last minor prophets. I think it's like four from the, that. Malachi. So if you want to turn there and look at it, you can. And here, here, you know, we're encountering an experience with Joshua. At the time, Joshua was a high priest. So just to give you a backdrop of kind of what's going on here, 
Joshua is the high priest of this of this day, and the high priest in the Hebrew days, you know, was one of the one of the few who had the ability to go and offer a sacrifice before the Lord, a sacrifice for His people, cleansing, you know, their sins for for a full year. They would do it once a year. So Joshua was one of these one of these anointed ones, and here Joshua is struggling with his identity. He's you know sitting there between the accuser and his maker. And he's at this compromise, this dichotomy of who I really am. And so we'll just go ahead and read it. It says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan, standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem. Rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to, the, said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And, he, and to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put on a clean turban on his head. Mm. So they put, on a, put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by him. So that's what we want to see happen tonight. We want to speak truth into your lives. We want to break agreement with the accuser that we have filthy garments. And if you think you're dirty or you feel you're dirty, you're going to act dirty. It's really that simple. If you feel beautiful and think you're beautiful, you're going to live in beauty. And you're going to act in beauty. And you're going to say, I am a holy vessel, a temple of the Lord. How dare I expose my body, my eyes, my lifestyle, my thoughts to that perfect to that depravity. And this is really the essence of deliverance, where we exchange the lies for the truth. And like Paul's saying it, the battle doesn't end when we get the revelation of the truth, but what happens is we become wise to the lies. And we're able to discern the voice of the Spirit compared to the voice of the accuser. And it's really pretty simple. I mean, the, the Father, the Spirit... The Holy Spirit does not come and say, you're not good enough. You're worthless. You really screwed up today. He comes giving hope of saying, yeah, in you, you know, you can do nothing. But in me, you can do all things. There's always hope with the Father's voice. He doesn't come accusing. He comes bringing truth, bringing life, telling you who you are. And really, I mean, this is uh, this is an area where I think we all have struggled. I mean, none of us are exempt from the lies of the enemy. Uh, it says in James 4, <coughs> submit, James 4, 7, to submit yourself to God and resist the devil and you'll flee. One of the ways we <coughs> submit ourselves to God is to agree with him and say, your word over my life is right. Yeah. It's true. And I'm just going to read you a little word quick from a book called The More Excellent Way. And he's talking about a lot of the roots of different uh, physical diseases, the spiritual roots. And he says this, he says, he who is the greatest and holiest of all, God the Father, says He loves you. Under what gospel do we have the audacity to say we do not love ourselves? If we do, we make ourselves an opposition to God. We make ourselves a God unto ourselves, denying His statement of love, and upon ourselves, or and open ourselves up to the enemy to agree with us. Instead of hearing God's voice speaking to you by His Word and by the Spirit, telling you you are loved and you're okay, you're going to hear the voice of the enemy coming in your mind, telling you how rotten and stupid and worthless you are. And my prayer is that God would anoint our minds 
to take thoughts captive mm-hmm. and make them obedient to Christ. The wep- and that's what discernment is. It comes by the reason of use, it says in Hebrews 4. Mm-hmm. The discernment comes by the reason of use. Those who have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. And so we want to come to a place where we recognize the battle in our mind. We recognize, wait, 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 wait. that's not the voice of my father. That's not what he says about me. That's not the truth of his love. And we recognize it for what it is. And then we exercise authority over it and then ask the spirit of truth to come and speak. And when you do that, you cast down. That's what he says, that we walk in the flesh. We don't fight according to the flesh. I don't fight the accusations with an AK-47. I fight them with the word of truth. You know, the sword of the spirit. And it's casting down those arguments, those vain imaginations, those high things that are exalting themselves against the truth, the knowledge of God. And part of the knowledge of God is who you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Second Corinthians 5. Let's do it. All right. Paul, do your thing. Do my thing. Lord, do your thing. Come Holy Spirit. So Lord, we're just going to invite you to come right now. Come. <clears throat> with your gentle compassion right now all over this room, God. Forgive us. God, we just ask you, we just break agreement with the enemy, God, That's and we right. just repent. We repent of what we've spoken over our lives and over our body, Jesus. We declare yes. tonight we are Hephzibah. Yeah. You are Hephzibah. You are Beulah, and my delight is in you, says the Lord. Yes. You are fit for a king, so God, we just ask you to be so gentle and merciful and kind tonight, God. Oh, we thank you for your great pleasure over our lives, Jesus. And tonight, we just come into agreement with who you created us to be. And we say, Satan, we rebuke you. Yes, God, bring deliverance tonight. Bring deliverance tonight. Deliverance from self-hatred and shame, Jesus. Yes, Lord. So we just want to pray for you. If you if you identify with any of these things tonight, there's no shame. This is all of us. Some of you may even realize it after tonight that, yeah, that was for me, that this is for me. We just want to invite you, and we're the ministry team tonight. Clint and I aren't the ministry team. We're all the ministry team. If you love Jesus and you have hands tonight, we want you to use those hands to lay them on each other. So, God, we just ask you, Lord, just come with your gentle compassion. And if you identify with any of these things, if you struggle to look at yourself boldly and confidently in the mirror and say, I love my body. I love who the Lord created me to be. If you struggle with the idea of, you know, what your spouse, your future spouse is going to think, if there's anybody in here who says, I'm terrified of what my spouse may think when they see me on our wedding night. If that's you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. And the Lord wants to bless you and tell you that you are beautiful. You are going to walk naked in a garden with the Lord in the last days. Perfect love casts out all fear. And if your spouse struggles to identify you with you, he's not fit for you anyways, because Jesus does. Jesus loves you. He loves your naked body. He loves it. He's so passionate about it. Not in a weird, gross way, but he, he formed you. So if you struggle to identify with that, and you're, you're afraid of what your future spouse may think, we want to pray for you tonight. So we just ask if anyone who's struggling with that, if they just want to raise their hand or stand, we would love to put our hands on you and pray for you tonight. That is our great pleasure. Yeah, the Lord says He has qualified you. He has qualified you. God, I just, I just right now, let's just open up our hands. Let's just receive. God, we've all dealt with shame. God, we've all dealt with the lies that we're not good enough, that we're not lovable. 
that we're not worthy, but Jesus, we thank you that you, the King of Kings, you, the Lord of Lords, you, the one who, you, only your opinion matters, Father. Your opinion, your truth, your voice is the only one that counts. And he is speaking tonight. You are my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. I am well pleased in who you are. You have no, no reason to be ashamed. You have no reason to fear. Mm-hmm. Father, I pray right now that you would come with your presence. Yeah. God, come with your light. Let the entrance of your word bring light in our hearts. Mm-hmm. God, we just, we, just, we just break agreement with those lies, God, that we're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Lord Jesus, I thank you that in you we can do all things. We are loved unconditionally. Mm-hmm. That's right. We forgive ourselves of accusing. We, God, we've accused ourselves at times. We've hated ourselves for the ways we feel like we've fallen short. Mm-hmm. I just want to let's just. I just want to lead us all in a corporate prayer. Just say, Father, Father I, receive I receive the truth. That you love me unconditionally. Therefore, I am free to love myself the same way you love me unconditionally. Therefore, help me to love my neighbor as I love myself. I repent. Of the accusations I brought against myself. And I come into agreement with the truth. And the truth sets me free. Amen. So, yeah, those um, who have their, who raise their hands, just those around and just continue to pray over them. This, this, is, a, this is a tough issue. It's not something that, you know, is easily, is easily gone away. If you've spoken over your life for 20 some odd years, a five minute prayer generally doesn't cut it. it takes, takes a, you know, obviously the Lord is sovereign and He can do whatever He wants and however long, however quickly He wants to do it. But we just want to blanket you with prayer. We want to just come around you and just speak truth into their lives. If you struggle with what your spouse will think of you, and this issue is huge, this issue is gigantic in 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 the in the church right now. Just the lies of what my spouse will think. Even after you're married, I know people who just struggle with the fact their husband or their wife is looking at another person. Just fitting up, they go out to eat and they're just sizing themselves up against those around them. Those are lies from the pit of hell. So we just want to blanket you with prayer tonight. Jesus, come. So God, we just ask you, just come Holy Spirit. Bring deliverance. Bring freedom. Freedom from self-hatred. Deliverance, Lord. Deliverance, Holy Spirit. Deliverance, Holy Spirit. Just freedom from this issue. We love you, Holy Spirit. We just want to pray for those who struggle with shame. If shame is something you struggle with, maybe shame from past sins in your life, sexual immorality is a huge one. Shame from an eating disorder, there are possibly that. In a group this big, with an issue this intense, there are lots of times eating disorders and just shame that no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you worship the Lord, you're never going to be good enough. So we just want to break that off, the shame of your past. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's no accusation, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So if you identify with that, we just want to, again, we just... 
I just want to speak this over you. This is true. This is 2 Corinthians 5. And, and I just, Holy Spirit, right now I just ask for revelation on the Word. God, I ask you to open our hearts to receive this as truth. God, I ask you to let it tear down any strongholds in our minds. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's right. Beloved, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, behold, all things, all things have become new. All things have become new tonight if you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. God, I thank you that you purchased our past. That's right. God, I thank you that all things are new. That's right. We just come against the lie that has told us that some things are new, but could really could Jesus really redeem me from that? I'm too unlovable because of this. No, that's a lie, beloved. You are loved. Mm-hmm. You are loved perfectly, unconditionally. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. That's right. <laughs> Lord, we repent for having more faith in our own belief system than what you say about us, God. We ask you just to break through. Just come in, God, with your with your presence and with your love, Jesus, with your humility and your compassion, God. And just break through, break down our arguments. God, forgive us for our arguments with you. Why would we ever argue with the man of your beauty? We just repent of our arguments with you, God, arguing with who you created us to be. God, we break that off in Jesus' name. The Lord is just saying, why would you ever argue with me? I love you so much and I'm so beautiful and I'm so holy. Give us a revelation, Jesus, of who you are. So that how we would ever argue with you just is uncomprehendable, God. Lord, we just break off shame in Jesus' name. We break off the, the lying, condemning thoughts of the enemy, Jesus. We break that off in Jesus' name. So, Jesus, we just ask you to continue to come. Just stir this up in our hearts. We're just going to keep saying, just stay in this place of receiving, this place of worship, this place of ministry. God, bring healing tonight. God, bring healing to our hearts. Oh, God, bring healing with your love. Release your love. God, thank you for your gentleness tonight. God, I thank you that you're gentle with our hearts, that we can trust you with our hearts.
This great desire of the Lord to wait for your to wait for you to look upon him and say, Come. He's ravished by you all, Jesus. Give us the revelation that you are ravished by us in Jesus' name. We're just gonna um, stay in this moment and keep praying, keep worshiping. Um, it's ten o'clock, so we're just gonna kind of pray a prayer here. If you need to go, um, feel free to go. Um, or if you want to go fellowship, feel free to go fellowship. If God's doing something, just stay here and dwell here. Um, there's no closing time, so we're just gonna pray quick and then we'll ramp back up. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your great love. We thank you that you called each of us to be here tonight. And thank you that you deposited something within us. We just ask that the seed that you have put inside of us would grow and bear fruit. We want to be like you. So we just pray a blessing over anyone here and just speak life and love into their lives. Keep us safe as we walk out of here. In Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. We just bless your name. Tim, if, if people uh, want to stay in here and have more prayer, if they want somebody to pray for them, mm-hmm. just ask one of us to pray with you. Somebody want to just pray alone, but if you want to have someone pray with you, just free to ask. But if you if you need or want to go, there's no difference between being in here and being in there. So you can go in there and have time fellowship. Mm-hmm.
Bible says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus said, It is better for you that I leave, and it is to your advantage that I leave, because then I will send the Comforter, the Helper, the Counselor. The Holy Spirit, we just ask you to comfort us and turn us to joy. Moses said in Psalm 90 that all the days of your mourning, you'll have an equal equal degree of joy, equal degree of happiness. So God, we just ask you, come with your joy. Comfort those here tonight, Jesus. Just continue to pour it out. Lord. Pour this out. In the time of rain, ask for the rain. So we ask for the rain, Jesus. Pour it out. Pour out your love on this place. Thank you. 